Please listen carefully. Welcome in, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Heard of your sports podcast. Uh, welcoming in a couple of guests. Uh, Evan Townsend, y'all have heard him before. Project Spurs contributor, guru of the Twitter spaces, uh, wrangler of Spurs fans uh, online, I would say. Um, Evan, how's it going? Hey, man, it's doing well. Um, still can't believe we walked away with uh, two French studs. Yeah, man, it's super exciting. Absolutely. Uh, and a new face, uh, someone I've not met before, Mike Garcia. I have not really talked a lot about, about what you're doing, but it looks like you're a Lakers writer and big, big time draft aficionado. So w- welcome on. It's really good, to, really good to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest. No, thank you for being here. So first of all, um, we are going to be talking about the Spurs draft. It's a little bit weird to talk about it because the Spurs did have by far the most consequential pick of the draft women yama you know the proclaimed greatest prospect of all time by some people you know certainly the the most hype prospect since lebron james um frankly i don't know there's a lot for us to talk about right here i mean he got drafted number one he i think it was super awesome to see him some of the interviews some of the emotion that he showed you know it was no surprise but it was really nice to hear him and um, kind of get to know him and, and get to know that that this is not just a guy that's going to be an interesting basketball player, but going to be a human. And, you know, I know Charles Barkley said no role models in sports, but I think this might be a role model, right? Evan, do you have something to say about that? You know, in terms of um, just being a, a prime example of how to, how to honestly just treat yourself in the media with respect, I think that uh, Wimby and City, you know, they've both done a great job so far. You know, Wimby, he has this, the aura that everyone talks about on Twitter that, you know, you need to have uh, at such a young age. Uh, but he's not afraid of the the moment. He's not afraid of the attention. He actually loves it. And, man, we've never had a spur this Hollywood ever. <laughs> ever. Literally, it's, it's insane. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, he, he's very sure of himself, right? And, and I think you sort of hear about, you know, you hear about this all the time, right? Oh, I was when I decided I was going to be an NBA player or, you know, mean much if you're like me and you're 5'11", right? You know, someone like Wimby, when he's six foot eight at age 12, like that means something when you say, I'm going to become not just like a professional athlete, but I'm going to the NBA, I'm going to become the best basketball player I can. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a real thing from him. Um, and I, I think you're right. It's sort of shown, it's borne out the way that he uh, not just takes care of his body but the way that he's prepared people have talked about how great his english is and not just you know he can he can pass an english 301 class but he has great conversational english he's great in interviews right Uh, he gets all the references he he's a super entertaining guy i agree he's super hollywood um mike if you had any thoughts on wimby you know go for it but the the other thing i wanted to throw to y'all real quickly before we get into the real meat of this uh which is going to be talking about our New uh, second favorite French player, Sidney Sissoko. Uh, but Leonard Miller was looked to be the selection at number 33 for the Spurs. Exactly sure what the order was. We were talking about this earlier, but uh, the Spurs either moved off of the pick knowing that Leonard Miller would be there or uh, actually traded Leonard Miller uh, or selected them for the Timberwolves uh, in exchange for two future second round picks. Obviously, two is better than one. You could always make that pitch, but uh, future second round picks are always dubious and you know if those end up in the 45 to 60 range I mean we've seen 
far, far less success in the 45 to 60 range than we have the 30 to 45 range in the second round. So I, I was not a huge fan of that transaction, but y'all have any thoughts on Leonard Miller? Um, before, obviously, he was a teammate with City in the G League, so. Yeah, I mean, I had Leonard Miller very high on my personal board. I had him as high as number 11. Um, he just has certain skills and talents that aren't easily teachable. And for someone who is relatively newer to basketball than most of the other NBA draft prospects, you can't teach that level of touch, fluid, athletic ability, balance, ball handling, and motor all in one package like that. And that's why I ranked him so high. Uh, I know he still needs to learn how to shoot and work on a few other things, but that's all part of the process. There are other prospects that need to learn how to defend at a higher level and shoot more efficiently, especially expanding the range. So I don't see why that should be any different for Leonard Miller. And I'm shocked that he even fell to the second round. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, a lot of people were kind of wondering why he didn't get a green room invite. Uh, a lot of people were wondering... Uh, why he's not transparent in terms of communicating with the media. People were kind of speculating he may be hurt. He was walking around Brooklyn with the G League Ignite hoodie zipped up all the way. Everyone can see who you are. We know who you are, Mr. Miller. Can't hide. But, you know, I think that maybe teams were turned off for some reason. Uh, maybe he thought he had a promise in a lottery. He got pulled from a scrimmage. And said, so, you know what, I'm not going to interview with so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And then maybe something blew up. Maybe the agent or maybe his attitude. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't heard anything. I'm just speculating. Um, Leonard Miller was one of my guys. Still is one of my guys. I can't I can't say that in the past tense now. Now that it's technically a new season. But, you know, at 6'11", looking at a unicorn, that is truly positionless. I know he came in playing point guard for his You Play Canada team that was against a bunch of 6th grade, 7th grade looking Canadians, but ideally, you know, you look at someone that is just a solid play finisher at the end of the day and at his ceiling, you're looking at someone that can be, I don't want to say a, a solidified first option, but he has second option, third option type of um, type of versatility to me. If you're looking at somebody that can stretch the floor once he learns how to shoot, someone that has a decent uh, float game, someone that knows how to finish at the rim, has different types of variations of finishing at the rim. Leonard Miller has what it takes, but, you know, it's kind of sad to see him stuck in Minnesota. I don't know where they're going to, how they're going to utilize him. They need someone um, at that position, um, that unicorn position, this position, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy we got City, though. And two future second-round picks. I know it's sixth graders we're talking about here. You know, we have to get our scouting boards and uh, go to a bunch of EYBL camps, but, you know, I think that, um, I think that the Spurs did well. And if they had a plan, um, we walked away with more assets than what we came in with and with a, a first round great prospect too, obviously. So, yeah. No, it's, uh, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. And again, this is a Spurs draft. We just drafted Victor Wembanyama with the number one overall pick. At the end of the day, this is an A-plus draft, right? Anything you're getting in the second round is that's, that's just icing on the, uh, on the cake. But you did mention, you know, obviously we've talked about Leonard Miller's, you know, was one of the biggest followers. We sort of saw this coming with him not getting a green room invite. Um, but this has kind of been a trend with some of the G League Ignite guys. Obviously, we've seen the top stars, you know, Scoot Henderson, um, uh, Jalen Green a couple of years ago. Actually, Jaden Hardy was the one that 
he felt it on himself despite being the so-called, you know, the headliner for the G League Ignite team that year. But uh, the, the more secondary guys, right, the Isaiah Todds, the Dacian Nixes, they, there have not really been many guys from the Ignite team to have success. Um, and I do wonder if this is something that the NBA front offices are noticing as a trend or if this is something that, again, I mean, I was pretty stunned to see Linder Miller and City both fall the second round. Uh, you know, city all the way down to 44. I mean, like I said, the, the cutoff is sort of at that 45 mark where uh, your hit rate really, really starts to plummet. So um, I guess, yeah, Mike, I, do you think there's anything there with maybe there being a little bit of a, a negative rep with these G League Ignite guys, especially the ones that are not the on-ball dominant point guards? And, and what do you think that City has in his game that might uh, help him versus some of these other, again, Isaiah Todd's station mixes, the previous G League Ignite prospects that haven't really panned out. Um, so in regards to the G League Ignite and the level of competition, there's just a certain level of defense that just isn't played with a higher level of intensity. For some people, it's it's tougher to parse through offensive skill set with a little bit, I wouldn't say lackadaisical, but certainly less intense or less disciplined defensive schemes. But even in Leonard Miller's case or C.D. Sissoko's case, I think it was clear to see that, hey, in Leonard Miller, here's a 6'10", 6'11", guy. It's a ball handler who can rebound, make passes, and definitely finish at the rim, especially within, you know, 15 feet and paint range. With Sissoko, it was more like, here's this power wing who's stronger at that wing position at roughly 6'5", 6'6", plus, and then the 6'10"-ish wingspan. And what's he doing? He's still running pick and roll and making the initial reads. He makes the occasional advance read to the corners. Um, he's definitely finishing at the rim and fighting through contact. And it even made it that much more difficult to sort out a free throw rate because it wasn't calculated in the same way that the NBA does their free throws. It was more of like a one plus one situation for a shooting foul. I usually use that as an indicator of offensive physicality, but if you watch Sissoko, it's him finishing through contact and him attacking the basket with aggression and going through defenders, especially in transition. Things like that, even with the level of intensity at the G League level, was, uh, I think, a lot more obvious, especially in Sissoko's case. Quick, actually, the one thing that you mentioned right there with the free throw, that is something I always forget about, you know, and I'm somebody that is really into the draft and, and also somebody that's really into stats and analytics. But uh, so what you're saying is the free throw rate in the G League is the, the vast majority of the foul on a two a uh, two-shot foul, you shoot one free throw that counts for two points or zero points. So oh, even if you're getting, right. So if you're getting fouled on a two-shot foul, you're still only shooting one free throw. Um, I believe that's what factors into making that free throw rate a lot different, or at the very least, uh, if not factoring into the free throw rate, the free throw attempts are going to be. Um, but he was uh, mentioning that City is not necessarily, I think he didn't record a single double-double in the G League last season. His rebounding numbers are actually something that stuck out to me, something that was, you know, you'd expect it. Uh, Mike, you described him as a power wing. I think that's a really great way to put it because he's a perimeter-facing guy. But Evan, maybe I'll first, when you saw that rebounding number or the lack of double-doubles. Yeah, no, um, City played all five positions uh, when Scoot went out. Um, it wasn't Leonard Miller as the lead initiator. It was City Sissoko bringing the ball to the floor. Um, when I forgot what their big man's name is. Um, for I think it's a little older, but uh, Ify, or are you talking about Mika? Uh, Mika, yeah, the big, yeah, the big um, guy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
sorry. Yeah, uh, well, even when he would be out, um, City Soko, Leonard Miller, they would split time at the five and run a lot of five out. You know, City really wouldn't be the um, the engine of that uh, team. He would just be like the connector. Obviously, Scoot, Leonard Miller, more like the play finishers, playmakers of that team. Um, and, you know, I, wait, I got to throw City as a playmaker, obviously, as well. That's kind of just a mis- misinterpreted term I just, I just said. But I want to make sure you guys understand this. City really doesn't have an in-between game. Obviously, the catch-and-shoot numbers are okay. He squares himself back to the basket. Has a good form. Um, you know, 30% on four attempts when it's floating around 20% most of the season isn't the greatest per se, but you know, he can work on it, right? We have a great shooting coach. You know, he's going to be in the gym. He has a great work ethic. To have no floater, to have no real sub creation back in the mid range and not really the the skill set to scrape for yourself is where I'm seeing not really an issue in the Spurs system because it's going to be drill drive, pop crazy until that play finishes and lands. Super, super easy because windy. But, you know, ideally, the connectivity that they'll have alone, um, as long as we have a Charles Bassies at Collins, um, as our role men, these guys will make great decisions. They, they have a good uh, eight, maybe seven to nine foot floater, you know what I'm saying, right before the free throw line. So um, I, I love the fact that. Um, City's value at 44, um, a plus of picks, um, <laughs> were obtained. But you guys got to realize that this guy definitely, in my opinion, and probably, Mike, everyone else's opinion on draft Twitter is consensus. Had him as a first-round grade. So Spurs fans should be very happy. And, um, yeah, man, I can't wait till they get to town. Yeah, just to tie everything up, I mean, I know that, you know, the mid-range game isn't really showing. Um, his prior experience as point guard kind of really sticks out when he's more of a uh, finisher at the rim and then a three-point guy. And then when he's in that mid-range area, he's looking for that dive man in the paint and just trying to drop off uh, when he finally gets there. But the thing about Sissoko that I like the most isn't just his ability to make those reads on offense, even if it's, you know, that first initial read or the occasional advance pass to a corner. It's also defensively, it's not easy to teach physicality on defense and he's one of the prospects that plays up to every bit of that physicality if not over aggressively and I'd rather have the kind of defensive player that can pick his spots as to when to try and make a play as opposed to um, just kind of being you know a little less intense a little like lackadaisical defensively not as physical against you know bigs through guards in the first place CD will compete, especially at that defensive end, and I'll do it at a very intense level. And it's usually at a level that's, you know, way higher than what the G League competition is, you know, literally like. So when it transferred to the to the next level in the NBA, and he figures out how to be a little bit more disciplined about it, I think he's going to be a great defender. Mike, I remember you, um, I don't want to say question, um, City's defense on a thread that I had. I mean, uh, it was about a month ago. It was a good while ago. Uh, but you consider him one of your guys, correct? Yes, absolutely. And in terms of uh, City's defense, in terms of him being like a, let's say, right behind an all NBA defense type of guy, right? Defensive ter- team type of guy. How long do you think it'll take for him to reach that type of pedestal, if he can? I mean, 
that's that's scouting the brain territory, and that really boils down to uh, not just a certain level of defensive technique, but that's really down to defensive discipline and kind of knowing when to pick your spots. Um, there's going to be a huge jump in talent competition going from G League to the NBA, so he's going to have to learn that from the jump. And you know, it's like asking the same question about um, you want certain jumpy centers who get foul prone, who block a lot of shots, when do they stop being foul prone? Sometimes that's still their instinct. And it takes a little bit of time to them for them to stay a little bit groundbound. In CD's case, it's more of, um, he uses, he's aware, he uses his feet. And then it's like he's over aggressive using his chest when denying penetration. Or he's over aggressive using his hands as soon as the ball is exposed by a guard and he'll just attack the ball to try and get the, the force to turnover. So it might be at least a year or two, but who knows? Sometimes that kind of defensive discipline, they'll figure it out like, oh, I've fouled out or I've got a lot of fouls a lot in the past few games. I need to tone it down just a little bit just so I can stay on the floor. Once he figures that out, the rest is kind of history. Like he'll just be an effective defensive player and he's not going to hurt you at that end. So maybe it'll be a couple of years. Maybe it'll be half a year. I've seen a lot of things happen with a lot of young prospects who just start changing skills with just within the season. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I am hopeful for Sissoko. He's too smart of a player and too competitive to not want to stay on the floor. City's defense is one of his more, I guess, one of the skills that uh, things about his package, given that he's like a six, seven burly dude like that, that can move his feet. Um, but one of the things you mentioned about how he's really scaled up his game, or he's already had to scale up his, sorry, he's having to scale up his game from the G League Ignite to the NBA. But he actually, um, so this last year's with the Ignite, the previous year, he was in the second division in Spain. He was not a guy that was playing for FC Barcelona or, you know, Arkansas, some, some big time program with a lot of exposure. He was playing, you know, in the second league and started seven of their 32 games. He was not even... You know, it's not like he was putting up uh, Wimby stats over there. So uh, I, I do think you have to – and uh, Linda Bozo had a year at Wasatch Academy where he didn't really pledge uh, in the, uh, the Canadian League that just had very little competition. So his his scale up to the G League Ignite and then up again to the NBA, those are both massive leaps. Um, but for City, you know, it, it, I do think that he's the type of player that has the ability to adapt. Uh, it's funny, I, I actually kind of think he almost reminds me of like a D2 player, uh, not in that that's where his level is at. But if you ever watch D2 basketball, which I can't say I've done a lot, but a lot of the times players in that league are really just all around players. They can play one through five, right? Almost It's almost positionless basketball. Uh, you'll have some seven footers down there that are clear centers. But for the most part, you know, you'll have teams that it's like, the point guard is 6'2", and the center is 6'6", right? It's more like high school basketball is what I'm thinking. And City is somebody that he fits the median. He may not be a superb athlete in a couple of areas. He's more like a really good athlete all across the board. Uh, and I think that level of just being big, strong, tall, coordinated, I mean, that's <laughs> it really helps when you're playing basketball. Um, and I apologize. We're getting a little short on time. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the undrafted guys we picked up uh, just for a couple of minutes. So last thing on City, Mike first and then Evan. What is <clears throat> excuse, what is one swing skill that you could see City adding to his game in the next couple of years, whether it's a mental or a physical thing? Obviously, we've talked about a couple, but 
Uh, from my end, it's really just that defensive discipline. Uh, everybody is going to point to that 30% arc shooting. Uh, I think shooting is just reps, and he started off the season kind of hot before it kind of tailed down. Eventually, that inconsistency goes away, and it'll be more of a consistent shooter. But once he's able to stay on the floor and just be an effective defensive player, he'll be able to contribute on both ends, and that's where that's where the foundation really starts. The the in-between game and being able to be trusted as a lead initiator, um, knowing he really hasn't had, you know, a lot of consistent reps as a point guard at the um, NBA speed, being thrown on different roles, different positions compared to guys that have been point guards their whole life is, is night and day. So, um, you know, City being the closing point guard, secondary playmaker, lead initiator, in between tier in a couple of years. That is an that's a fringe all-star. If he if he shoots not even uh, league average, but as long as he just turns into a do-it-all, trustable, um, versatile player, then that's gonna be pushing 27, 28 minutes per game, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists. I'm talking about balance, literally balance and versatility. Um, these guys are growing trees. He's maybe three inches away from being called a unicorn. I can't call him a unicorn just quite yet. Just yeah, if he was six ten, six eleven, that would have been nice, but but yeah, man, we already got an alien coming in town, so we're good on that. Um, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm super excited. City's gonna do well. Uh, I don't think he's gonna need a G League stick. People are talking about because the CBA has three two-way contracts now. Yeah, he's not getting a two-way contract. That guy's gonna be in the rotation. He's gonna earn his minutes. Yeah, and I'll throw out on my end. I'd like to see him stick back on the defensive boards and try to grab a couple more games. I just hope for him to be at the back of the transition, being the one that's either advancing the ball with the dribble or throwing an outlet pass. I think that's more where the advantage lies for him with with his great vision. Uh, I think he's a really good transition player. So I, that's what I'd really like. To see. So real quick, uh, I'll talk about a couple of the guys that the Spurs have picked up off of the undrafted uh, wire. Uh, Serge Barry Rice is the only guy that's gotten a two-way contract so far. He's a five-year college player, four years at New Mexico State, and spent his last year, his super senior year at Texas. Uh, came off the bench, but actually put up pretty much close uh, career averages, 25 minutes a game, 13 points, two assists, three about a steal a game. Uh, Mike, Evan, any thoughts about any of those four guys? Uh, Serge Barry Rice has a really convincing pump pick because he uses a partial extension <laughs> on his shot pick. So he gets to better to fight, and that opens up his shot really easily. And then Bidiaco, if you look at his season stats, they don't initially look impressive. But when you watch him play, he does all the small things required of big men, setting screens, providing defensive impact, being grounded, uh, being a presence in the paint, staying out of foul trouble. So he's really effective in uh, a strong defensive way. As for Logan Johnson, he'll surprise you with athleticism at the rim, especially when he's attacking. And Seth Milner, he likes to operate out of high post catches from the perimeter and then create his own shot that way. That's who he is as a player. I mean, there's a lot of experience on the floor there, especially with Bryce Bediaco, uh, Milner, and Johnson. And that should make for a fun team. Yeah, they'll definitely be there for the summer league team. You know, maybe we'll see him with the Austin Spurs next year. But yeah, really exciting. So uh, sorry, Evan, I'm not going to get to meeting. But real quick, Mike, before I let you go, JHS, Max Lewis, give me like a five-second pitch on him. I like them both. They're great complimentary guards. I was more optimistic on Lewis than uh, GHS, but, you know, both are guards that can shoot and attack the basket and operate out of either pick and roll or out of isolation. So I'm happy about it. Cool. All right. I think this is about to cut off. So. 
Well, folks, it turned out our meeting time did uh, expire right about then. Uh, so I just wanted to come in real quick, say a big thank you to, again, Evan Townsend. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Evan Townsend underscore. Uh, and also to Mike Garcia at Canyon Driver on Twitter. Uh, really awesome conversation from both of them. Mike is super knowledgeable about City. Evan knows everything Spurs, of course. So thanks anybody who tuned in till the end of this. Um, and I very much apologize about the sound quality. Uh, that's on me for having a free recording software uh, and apparently recording off my AirPods and accident instead of my mic. So uh, it'll definitely be better in the future. Um, and hopefully, you know, I, Evan and I will be bringing you Spurs stuff in the very near future. It's fun to have Wimby on the team. So... Thanks all for sticking in. It's it's been a ton of fun. Uh, I'm sure you all hear from me again soon. Bye all.